Hear now a reading from 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning with verse 1. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves, and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. David rose early in the morning, left the sheep with a keeper, took the provisions, and went as Jesse had commanded him. He came to the encampment as the army was going forth to the battle line, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle army against army. David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage, ran to the ranks, and went and greeted his brothers. As he talked with them, the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came up out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. And David heard him. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are just a boy, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father, and whenever a lion or a bear came, and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down, rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down, and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord, who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, Go, and may the Lord be with you. Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and clothed him with a, with a coat of mail. David strapped Saul's sword over the armor, and he tried in vain to walk for he was not used to them. Then David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I am not used to them. So David removed them. Then he took his staff in his hand 
and chose five smooth stones from the wadi and put them in his shepherd's bag in the pouch. His sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the Philistine. The Philistine came on and drew near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. The Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you have come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the field. But David said to the Philistine, You come to me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This very day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give the dead bodies of the Philistine army this very day to the birds of the air and to the wild animals of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you and he will give you into our hand. When the Philistine drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. David put his hand in his bag, took out a stone, slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead, and he fell face down on the ground. This is the word of God the people of God. Thanks be to God. In 2007, a movie was released titled In the Valley of Elah. It's about the high toll the Iraq War exacted on some American soldiers who survived their tour of duty but came home so emotionally scarred that life lost all meaning. Interestingly, the characters are based on a true story that occurred in Columbus, Georgia in 2003. One scene in the middle of the movie provides the basis for its title. The main character is Hank Deerfield, played by Tommy Lee Jones. Deerfield's son is one of those soldiers who physically survived the war, but he disappeared after getting back to his base in New Mexico. Deerfield, who himself is a retired soldier, has come there to look for his son. When his son's body is found, Deerfield stays, trying to understand what happened. In that quest, he is helped by a police detective who is a single mother of a young boy. In this particular scene, she has invited Deerfield to her home for supper. Afterward, while she's washing the dishes, Deerfield asks if there's anything he can do, and she sends him into her son's room to read him a bedtime story. Deerfield cannot connect with the children's book, so the boy, whose name is David, suggests 
that Deerfield just tell him a story. The man tells him of the biblical story of David and Goliath, which took place in a valley called Elah. Hearing how the young David of the Bible took on the giant after none of the Israelite soldiers were brave enough to fight him seems to help this little boy. He asks Deerfield some questions about how the biblical David felt. And Deerfield talks to him about doing the brave thing despite being afraid. After Deerfield leaves the child's room, the mother goes in to say goodnight. As she exits her son's room, she leaves his bedroom door open as he usually wanted it. But that night, after hearing about the story of David in the Bible, her son tells her to close it most of the way. The boy was impressed by David's bravery in the battle with the giant Goliath, and we should be impressed too. Goliath was a giant over nine feet tall and was a mighty warrior. Not one of the Israelite soldiers was brave enough to battle him, so when David killed him with a stone from his slingshot, it was not only a victory for Israel, but also put David on the road to fame, eventually becoming king of Israel. Unless you've read the rest of the story, you may have assumed that Goliath was the only giant David ever faced, but this is not so. 2 Samuel 21 reports that in David's later years, he had to deal with some other gigantic opponents. One incident took place when David was king, and Israel and the Philistines were again at war. A Philistine giant named Ishbi Binab, whose spear tip alone weighed more than 12 pounds, sought to kill David. But Abishai, one of David's soldiers, stepped in and defeated the giant. After this, David's men began to worry about their king's safety, telling him, You shall not go out with us to battle any longer, so that you do not quench the lamp of Israel. But that did not put an end to the wars with the Philistines. <laughs> And over the course of the next battles, David's men faced and killed Goliath's giant brother and two other supersized men. With David, the giants kept coming. And so it is with us. No matter how powerful the giants we've previously faced, there are almost always more to come. Perhaps your first giant was some kind of temptation, one of those yearnings for something forbidden that was so strong it captivated your attention and overpowered your will. Certainly, David faced this kind of giant himself in the person of Bathsheba. Maybe you lost some battles and maybe the losses added up to some kind of an addiction, but you eventually got a handle on it before it completely destroyed the things you value the most. It seems reasonable that one such struggle in life like this ought to be enough. 
but it almost never is. That particular giant may not return, but there will likely be others. And we must take all giants seriously because the goal of each seems to be our destruction. If early on we battle a giant called temptation, we may in midlife battle others like discouragement, bitterness, or loneliness. Some may even face the soul-crushing giant of depression that can follow a broken marriage, the death of a loved one, or the rebellion of a wayward child or grandchild. As we get older, we may face the terror of a life-threatening illness, or, as is certainly possible in today's economy, the loss of our job and the evaporation of the resources we expected to carry us through our later years. In the movie I mentioned earlier, the young soldiers were facing the giant of post-traumatic stress disorder. Our giants have many different names, like sickness, accident, abuse, misfortune, loss, setback, bankruptcy, trouble, or hurt. When they come against us, they often take us by surprise during times when we feel least able to resist them. Furthermore, they don't always come alone. Sometimes they come in twos or threes. I wonder what giants you have faced in your life or what giants you are currently fighting. The good news this morning is that the story of David helps us to remember that our giants do not have to have the last word. Sometimes all it takes to bring them down is the right stone from the right slingshot. It is often true that we don't possess the right stone ourselves, that we need help from others, from doctors, therapists, pastors, spiritual directors, and wise friends. Although David took care of Goliath by himself, he needed the help of his troops to defeat the others. Likewise, we need family who will stand by us, professionals whose services and skill can facilitate our healing, and a community of friends that will help us to heal and recover. There are also times when we find the right stone to defeat our giant by helping other people fight their giants. One example is survivor therapy, where the survivors of extreme trauma find healing by helping others who have experienced similar wounds. The military is using some aspects of survivor therapy today to help soldiers who come home with the kind of trauma experienced by Deerfield's son. Another thing that may help us deal with our giants is to remember that fighting them can help us to become better people. They can make us stronger, wiser, and more compassionate. When we read the story of David in the Bible, we see that even after he defeated Goliath, it took decades before he actually became the king of Israel. In that in-between time, which we talked about in the message last Sunday, 
he had to fight many more battles with powerful opponents, including King Saul. One biblical scholar explains, It took years of maturing for King David, shaped by his giants, to be ready to step into kingship. She goes on to say, I don't know what kind of king the young David, fresh from slaying his giant, would have become, but I am certain he would have been a very different ruler. And David is not the only biblical character who is instructive for us in this regard. Consider that Job had at least three giants to overcome. The first was losing his children and his possessions. The second was losing his health. The third was his realization that he didn't deserve anything that had happened to him while his friends assumed he was getting what he deserved. Job didn't really overcome any of these things until he heard from God and saw the bigger picture, until God gave him a new and broader perspective. And Jesus had plenty of giants to face too. After his baptism, he was driven into the desert by the Spirit, where he wrestled with giant temptations. And even after he successfully thwarted those temptations, the giants kept coming. Pastor Frank Ramirez explains that the temptations in the desert were just the first hurdle. He writes, Birds have nests and foxes have dens, but the Son of Man laments that he doesn't even have a place to lay his head. And he can see, like a deer looking into the oncoming lights of a freight train, the cross, first looming, then barreling down on him. And he knows that the worst of it is that one of his own will betray him, and one of his own will deny him. The pastor continues, It's not just three hours on the cross that leads to the glory of the resurrection. It's overcoming privation and opposition and contention from enemies, family, and friends. The temptation in the desert is just the beginning. When we are facing our giants, it is helpful to look at biblical characters, and especially Jesus for help. And some people, like the Amish, find it helpful to focus on the Lord's Prayer that Jesus teaches in the Bible, which says, Give us this day our daily bread. The book, Amish Grace, gives us an example of this, explaining that the Lord's Prayer is the only scripted prayer that the Amish pray. Don Craybill, one of the co-authors, talks about the Amish parents whose children were murdered in the nickel mine school slaying. Their understanding of the part in the Lord's Prayer that says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, called those grieving parents to forgive the killer immediately. But more than one heartbroken parent found that three giants had to be fought every day, one day at a time, grief, resentment, and anger. And it was only by living one day at a time and drawing strength from God in prayer, as well as from their friends and their community of faith, that made this possible. 
Finally, when we are facing our giants, it is important to remember that God is with us and that God fights for us. It says in 1 Peter 5, 7, as translated by J.B. Phillips, You can throw the whole weight of your anxieties upon the Lord, for you are His personal concern. Believers experiencing trouble have often testified that there was something there, something that could not be described, which made a significant difference in how they handled what was happening to them. That something was God doing for them what they could not do for themselves. Just as it was with David, Job, and even Jesus, the giants may keep coming in our life. They may hurt you and even cause you to lose things that you love. But with God's help and the various people that God places in our lives, like the doctors, counselors, pastors, and friends that help us, the giants do not have to win. You can find your way through the valley of Elah and come out looking more like Jesus on the other side, with more wisdom, strength, and compassion, which will empower you to help others find their way out too. Will you pray with me? Gracious God, we are so thankful for the way that you abide with us during our time of need and how you give us courage, strength, and hope one day at a time as we face our giants. I give you thanks, God, for the way that you have helped us to have victory over the giants we have fought in the past. And I pray, God, that you will give us wisdom and power and strength to continue fighting the giants that we're dealing with right now or the giants that may come in the future. Help us to stay close to you, to draw upon your grace, and to allow you to guide us as we try to fight our giants in a way that will help us to be healthy, in a way that will help us to be more like Jesus, and in a way that will help us to glorify you. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.